Welcome back to Building the Bakken. I'm your host, Jason Spies. In our next segment, Bakken Energy, we talk with Andy Glass of Headwater Research, Steve Van Dyke with the Lignite Energy Council, and Judy Colgan with Friends of Coal. This is Andy Glass with Headwater Research. Andy Glass with Headwater Resources. Talk to me about Headwater Resources. What is it that you guys do out in the Bakken? Specifically in the Bakken, we market uh, and uh, research uh, use of fly ash, uh, specifically in the Bakken. Um, it's used in many applications out there, including uh, soil stabilization, uh, oil pit solidification, pad, uh, pad site solidifications, uh, and, and growing. Um, fly ash, now, that's a word a lot of people have seen. Uh, what is fly ash? Where does it come from? Is it a product of something, or is it... Uh... Fly ash is actually a byproduct of a coal-fired power plant. It is basically burnt coal that gets caught up in the, in the flue gases. It uh, is then collected uh, in a bag house and uh, hopefully put in one of our trucks for marketing, keeping it out of a landfill. So you work... Uh, do you work with coal companies? We work directly with uh, coal-fired power plants. We have uh, quite a few around the nation. We have specifically six in North Dakota under contract. I think they say something like 70 to 90 percent of North Dakota is powered by coal. That that's on any given day uh, between there. Right on, right on the money, and and quite well, frankly, I think. Uh, Renewable energy is wonderful, um, as long as we can do it affordably and it makes sense and we're not forced to do it. What is it now when you get the fly ash, what do you do after that? Well, once we collect the fly ash from the facility, uh, it'll get stored in a silo. The silo will then uh, hold probably close to uh, two, excuse me, probably close to uh, 12, 1400 tons of material. Um, once, once the market demands fly ash, uh, we'll, we'll load it in a truck and we'll send it out into the oil patch. And uh, at that time it gets applied to the specific application uh, by pneumatic trailer, live bottom trailer, etc. Do you go outside of coal companies or is it just the coal companies as your clients? I'd imagine you're the middleman between uh, oil, gas, ag, and uh, coal companies, huh? We are the middle. Uh, we see ourselves as a viable resource for these uh, companies. Uh, these power utilities are out there to make power. Uh, they're not interested in uh, spending a lot of time and resources into marketing and, and figuring out applications for this material and that's where a, a, an excellent organization like Headwaters steps in and, and does these duties for them. Uh, how long have you been uh, living in the Bakken? Uh, I'm originally from Fargo, North Dakota. I moved to Bismarck uh, approximately two years ago and I've been full-time with Headwaters for three years, uh, but I've worked uh, prior to that uh, on-off going through school and college for, for probably close to seven, eight years. Our, our bread and butter business uh, in Headwaters Resources, that is one branch of Headwaters. Uh, okay. We have three or four different legs of our, our company as a stool, uh, air quote. Um, we... Uh, Concrete in, in, in fly ash in ready mix concrete is our prime bread and butter. Uh, we market a Coal Creek uh, GRE Underwood station. Um, about 450,000 tons a year 
into the ready-mix market. We keep that material out of the landfill. Uh, we are finding beneficial uses for this product day in and day out, uh, and we look forward to the public support in uh, uh, helping us achieve this. Andy Glass, Headwaters Resources, thanks again. Thank you very much for having me. And that was Andy Glass of Headwater Research. This is Steve Van Dyke with the Lignite Energy Council. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, relations with the oil and gas companies, how closely do you work with them? Uh, granted, you might be competition in energy, but I don't think it matters in the end. I mean, you work together, I imagine, on reclamation, maybe not. But um, uh, just comments on your relationship working with the uh, oil and gas uh, professionals and executives. Well, <clears throat> for instance, MDU Resources is a you know, is a multi-dimensional natural resources company. They, one of their subs, uh, divisions is Montana Dakota Utilities that, uh, you know, burns coal to generate electricity. However, you know, they also have an oil and gas division. So, you know, it's, uh, it can be very, very close. And, and certainly we try to uh, work with the, the uh, Petroleum Council and, uh, uh, you know, we work with the North Dakota Industrial Commission and you know, so, uh, you know, we, we think that, that these, is, we think that North Dakota really has an all of the above energy uh, policy and, and we're part of that and we think that, that the state benefits from that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate yep. it. Yep, thank you. And that was Steve Van Dyke of the Lignite Energy Council. This is Judy Colgan with Friends of Coal. Okay, my name is Judy Colgan. I'm the executive director of the Rocky Mountain Coal Mining Institute. I'm from Amarillo, Texas originally, spent all my life there and moved to Denver 13 years ago. Friends of Coal, talk to me about Friends of Coal. Friends of Coal is an organization built to promote the coal industry from a grassroots level. Um, we are a trade association that represents eight states through the West and we decided to take on the Friends of Coal initiative because it's been hugely successful in the East. It started in West Virginia, Kentucky has a big chapter, and so now we are starting Friends of Coal in the West. And we are doing it to promote the industry, to allow people who are not directly involved in the industry to support it as well. Now, coal, part of the thing that was part of the um, discussion today, speakers, presentations, I forget the actual correct terminology, but you get the idea, um, was about public relations and the image of coal. Uh, that seems to be um, one of the biggest hurdles for the coal industry. I was uh, talking with uh, a number of professionals here and they, just the amount of technology that has gone into coal and the advances that they've made, yet the only thing that seems to stick out in my mind is Harry the Dirty Dog and just the dirt and grime that goes along with the coal. Is that the only obstacle or is, is it that big of one? I guess, what, 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 what do you think about, what do you make about coal's image, I guess? Right, it, it is no longer correct image. Uh, just like technology changes in your cell phone and your computer daily almost, uh, people are willing to accept that, but they, in their mind, they don't want to accept that coal technology can change just as rapidly and uh, quickly and improve daily. Now, emissions since the 70s have gone down significantly while the industry has gone up. So we're using more coal, but the emissions are going down drastically. And you, people will go buy a coal plant or uh, um, 
power plant and not see a lot of emissions and think it's not running. That doesn't mean it's not running. It means that the technology has improved to the point that the um, environment is being protected. Coal powers most of North Dakota, and I don't think that people understand that uh, in the Dakotas, how much energy and power comes from coal. Uh, coal's had to come a long way since you mentioned the 70s. I think of the Reclamation Act coming out of the 70s. Uh, what, what have you seen, heard, and observed uh, being a friend of coal in regards to the uh, reclamation part of, uh, of your industry? Right. Uh, reclamation is a huge part of the industry. You can't get permitted to operate unless you have a bond for your reclamation. So you can't operate without that in place. And that is to protect if someone went in and they weren't financially sound enough and they had to pull up stakes and leave, then the insurance policy is still in place to cover that they put the land back equal to what it was before or better. Now, we have many reclamation sites that we take people out on, and they're shocked. In fact, some of them even say, are you sure this was the exact location it was mined on? Golf courses, hospitals, different things have been built on top of reclaimed land. And I think what people don't understand is that's important to us as well. We raise our families in these places. We love the beautiful land we live in, and we want it to return to that, but we need the abundant fuel out of the land before we put it back. Uh, Oil and gas as well has to do some reclamation. Uh, I don't look at energy in being in competition with each other anymore. Uh, They seem to work together. If they are in competition, please let me know. But um, uh, do you work much with the uh, oil and gas folk? I don't personally. Uh, Right now, natural gas has uh, kind of been the favorite child because the price is lower now, but natural gas has a more volatile price as a whole. So it comes and goes where coal stays more uh, steady. However, we're both extractive industries, so we're both going to be under the gun from the EPA. Thank you for bringing up the EPA. That's where I wanted to go with the question was, I'm hearing uh, new EPA rules as of like 10 days ago. EPA regulations coming next year to existing power plants. I'm hearing everything from the word extinction to will not be able to build a coal plant. Um, Mythbuster or fact it? That's their goal. That's what they are trying to accomplish. We are trying as an industry to combat some of that and to work with it and to drop some of those standards because they're simply unreasonable. They're unattainable. And so it's not that we are against trying to fall under those standards. They just need to be reasonable and attainable standards. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. And that was Judy Colgan with Friends of Coal. To listen to the full interviews or the entire feature on Bakken Energy Coal, visit our website, buildingthebakken.com. Miss part of the show? Log on to buildingthebakken.com for past shows and interviews. Judge found me guilty and I'll hold my head and cry. Lord, I cried.